0: Hello and welcome to The Run-In, sponsored once again by Envy, more on them later. We are now at episode number 30. Will, can you believe it? Oh no. my gosh, episode 30.
1: Oh, it's been a journey. It has been a journey. But it's, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we're more and more people listening, we've got an Instagram page now as well. We're joining the modern mm. world um, at The Run-In, if you want to give it a cheeky follow. Moving forward, on to the next thirty.
0: Yeah, so well into our second year. And actually, speaking of huge thank you to the Orienteering Foundation, who've awarded us a grant just to kind of help pay for our servers and um, the music that we use and basically keep us going well into our second year. So, I mean, we've talked, haven't we, Will, quite a few times before about how much great work the O Foundation does and now to kind of be a recipient of that is just fantastic as well so I guess thank you to you know the O Foundation themselves and everybody who donates um I feel you know we're only one of the uh, many beneficiaries from from your donation so thank you so much so we're going to be bringing you a little look at some domestic news in a bit But let's start with what's been going on internationally since we last spoke. And for ages, Will, we were trying to look at the Junior World Champs and not much going on with that. Will it go on? Will it not go on? And and what's happened?
1: Mm. Yeah, so finally, um, the IOF has come out with a a statement on the Junior World Champs plan for Turkey this year and the World Mountain Bike Orienteering Championships plan for Portugal as well later in the year. And... um, Jaywalk, it's been, uh, we'll focus on that one as we don't do too much on the mountain bike side, but, uh, Jaywalk's now moved to 2021, um, still remaining in Turkey next year. And then the following two years for Portugal, 2022 and Romania in 2023 have been pushed back respectively. So, um, yeah, I imagine a big, big disappointment for those final year juniors who were Mm -hmm. looking to compete this year, have been prepping and, you know, still training hard throughout the, the COVID-19 period. um, But I believe, Catherine, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but there is an allowance for the last year juniors this year to still be able to compete for medals next year. But we don't exactly know what that means at this stage. So whether that's their own category or if they're in the main junior category, we're not sure.
0: That's that's pretty much exactly right at the moment. Yeah, we don't know. I think they're consulting on what the best practice should be in terms of those juniors because obviously then it's going to affect those who will be a last year junior in in 2021 so we will just yeah wait and see what that happens but certainly there's they've used the they'll have the opportunity to quote compete for medals so that is the, the key phrase i think that we should take into account but uh, actually, EYOC, US European Youth Champs in Hungary, 24th to the 26th of October, is still on. Uh, so there is an event in the calendar uh, this year. And um, the IOF have said they're going to add extra age classes for it to become uh, also a European Junior Championships. So, so normally EYOC, is it like... 16s and 18s or, or what yeah. we sort of term 16s and 18s but they're going to add in those 20s as well that Nork is normally junior world champs is kind of 18s and 20s so that those older juniors can still take part in what is now a european junior championships
1: mm. i'd be interested if they increase the quotas for each country as well or if they leave it as so at the moment it's four per age class maximum mm-hmm. and then you take three of those for your relay team so whether they'll keep that for the 21s and say right you've got your own class you know there's only going to be four of you which may in some ways open up the opportunities for some runners um to go who may not have made it um mm. previously but uh yeah it'll be an interesting I I imagine that some people it will mean they won't get an international relay run this year which you know they're the they're the most fun competitions out there so that's <laughs> a bit disappointing but I mean it's great that there's going to be a competition for them anyway Personally, for me, I'm still a bit unsure about the depth of the fields that will um, end up racing at these because you look at places like um, yeah. Melbourne at the moment where that's just gone into a second lockdown, um, you know, quite strict 5k radius curfews and mm. and things like that. So you just wonder if, if those countries further afield than Europe, which is Central Europe at the moment is relatively liberal with travel. In comparison yeah. to that as we as we speak now and is lifting quite quickly, so yeah, you wonder by October what's going to be happening in various different countries, what's the strength of the field going to be like you know um, but you can only race against who's there, so hopefully the Brits turn up and they'll uh, they'll still do well and carry on the form that they had at Jaywalk last year.
0: Yeah, well, so British Rowing Touring, uh, they kind of know when the selection races will be. There's a date in the calendar, which is the end of August, but they still to determine where exactly those selection races are going to be. Uh, of course, you know, permissions and regulations and stuff as well being kind of need will be taken into account. So it might be quite a last minute decision. So keep an eye out on the British Rowing Touring website if you are one of those interested in going to that event. Um, but there's actually consultation on there being future european junior championships uh, in future years what do you think of that will
1: um i don't mind it uh yeah yeah it's an interesting one that one so what expanding eyoc to be this regular yeah. european juniors
0: um, yeah because there's no you, you know if you're a 20 then you've only got um the junior world champs you've not got a european juniors so you've got but then could that really clash the calendar
1: yeah, you've got uh, the junior European Cup, which yeah. is I think the only other one for the 20s, but the eight, yeah, so the 18s are the best age group because you can you do all three. Um it's an interesting I, I'm not against it by any means. Uh and I think it may give the 16s that go a, a you know a few more people to learn from and and see how they act at uh, that slightly more senior level than um just the the 17s and 18s. So I don't see why not. It, I guess it comes down to logistics for teams will it make it more expensive Mm. and things like that but yeah that's stuff for governing bodies to worry about not so much not so much me so yeah I mean the more international exposure you get as a junior is always good so um, I say yeah go go to them race do everything you can do
0: Yeah, I think very good advice. And two very small bits of news. World ranking points are now going to be kept for 34 months instead of the usual 24, because obviously there have been no world ranking events for the last four and a half months, however long it's been. And there's also some new rules for world ranking points. To be honest, I did not want to spend the time and energy (laughs) looking at the IOF website to get my head around those. So if you are interested and if you do care about world ranking points, there are new rules about them. And look them up yourself. Um, I think more points think, is
1: better. <laughs> <Let's> well, just...
0: <laughs> more points is better. Yeah, that's true. Um, but there's now a new way of allocating them, and I don't even want to start with going into that. But I think some more news that we are more interested in is um, World Championships 2024, of course, in Edinburgh, and the embargo for that will
1: yes so um there's been some changes to the embargo to allow people who have declared themselves non-competitive thus far up to this point um they can decide whether they want to compete and um i think it's up this is going to reset on the f- i think we've got 1st of yeah. down, um, first of july down yeah, so um 2020 so it has already reset yes yeah, so it's already yeah. reset yeah um I don't know why I thought I was going to be 2021. So yeah, so this resets on the 1st of July uh, 2020, so a month or so ago. Um, and that means that the people who have thus far not been eligible to, um, to compete in 2022 are now eligible. So quite a lot of Edinburgh University students who maybe felt like they weren't going to be able to make the team now have the opportunity to um, and aren't kind of hamstrung by, um, by that decision a few years ago to um to not to make themselves non-competitive so from now until the opening ceremony of WOC in 2022 you can go into the embargo but you cannot do any orienteering training there you can't run routes you can't test routes you can't have a map and so forth and from WOC 2022 you are not allowed in the area except for permissible routes arranged with the organizers which includes planned routes to and from certain university buildings and so forth. So Mm -hmm. great that the people from Edinburgh Uni can now have that opportunity to compete for a spot at a home walk in 2024. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of good juniors there, so it makes (laughs) our lives in the senior team at the moment a bit harder. But it's always good because I think you'll be pushed by that, you know, that extra crop of young talent that we've got coming through at the moment that will, uh, yeah, hopefully make the team even better, even stronger and push everyone on. So I think... Fantastic news for those younger, younger kind of first year seniors who didn't have the option. Now it's there, home walk that they may have the chance to do.
0: Yeah, and even for people like Kirsten Maxwell, who we spoke to a few episodes ago, who was you know, having to put off plans because you couldn't even go into Edinburgh uh, these certain parts in Edinburgh for at least now for the next two years, they'll be able to go into the embargo, just not be able to do, of course, any orienteering there. So that I think that is. For a lot of people who have been observing the embargo and completely avoiding central Edinburgh and the other parts of Edinburgh that are embargoed, then that is a big, big change.
1: Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just for the normal operating of life, it's going to be so much nicer for those people.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So we are going to have um, very shortly our main interview of today's podcast with and Karl Ostebo. But um, first of all, we've got some more domestic news and a fantastic achievement from Sasha Chaplin.
1: Yeah, so Sasha um hasn't been putting much training up on his training logs for the last year or so. Um and has now come out under the radar from I think most people in the orienteering world other than the, the his mates and everyone who's included in this and gone and broken the 24 hour Munro record um up in Scotland around the K and Gorms. So Munro's um, are uh, uh, mountains in Scotland over 3,000 feet in elevation and um, Sasha's bagged 32 Munro's in 23 hours and 10 minutes. Um, started the uh, the challenge with Ali Masson as well so two um, ex-UWOC members there going for the record. Ali unfortunately had to pull out because of a niggling hamstring injury I think around about halfway so mm-hmm. not the kind of thing you want to push through on but yeah, Sasha supported ably by a lot of York members. Um, his brother Oleg and various other people from the running and um, hill running and orienteering community, and um, uh, beat the twenty seventeen record of, of Jim Mann. So, very impressive stuff. Uh, not something that I envy him doing. These, you know, Bob Graham's one thing. I think the the twenty four hour record is is something else. Um, I think it was something like 152 k. But I'm not sure. It was it was big. It was That's ridiculous. Bonkers. Yeah, yeah. So And
0: just, just straight you know, straight through like, oh goodness me.
1: Yeah, just in insane stuff where you think Yeah. You, you'd you rather not do it yourself and just support them, to be honest. But uh, very impressive and good to see that he's in um he's clearly in great lockdown shape. He's uh yeah. been putting in some time in the hills maybe, so uh interesting to see what he could do uh, if he comes back to orienteering next year and i know he had a break um uh, a break planned in kind of back end of last year and this year um maybe if you go for walk long next year or turn his hand to more the ultra running scene and something like utmb or um the longer hill races in the uk so very exciting to see what he does off that
0: Yes, we love hearing about orienteers who are smashing it um in all different sports as well. Um but I think really one of the the massive highlights of the last past as well the past few days has been the return to orienteering. Long awaited uh returned o uh, in England, of course. Um on the 1st of August and you know been a fair few uh, events in the calendar will have you managed to be out long to any yet Or got any in the got any in the calendar
1: oh, I haven't been 20 yet no I've been trying to plan um a bit of a calendar around some breaks I've got coming up so um but it's been a bit tricky but itching to get back to one properly but they've all seen. They've, some of them have been midweek, and I just felt like I couldn't justify driving three hours on a Wednesday night oh, <laughs> to, to, me. To, to do a race. Well, um, that really
0: would be a lot of dedication. Yeah. No? <laughs> My family went to one pretty locally um, today and seen some, you know, big long lines for starts. Well, not not too long, but you know, people nicely spaced. That's why they were long. Uh, Touch me, punching, car parking with cars parked like end-to-end instead of rows and then with like five meter gaps between the next kind of like end-to-end row of cars interestingly and you know a fair amount of interesting mistakes with people being (laughs) a little bit rusty on their orienteering my family reported seeing lots of people a bit kind of looking a bit dazed and confused out in the out in the terrain and going it's just over there um so yeah i think maybe for some people it'll come as a little bit of a shock the return to orienteering but um you know lots of you know well-organized stuff and people being respectful and safe and all that kind of thing um which is what we love to see so long may it continue in my opinion
1: yeah absolutely no kind of jealous of those people right now so looking forward to getting back to it and the touch punching, it just makes orienting more enjoyable anyway, in my opinion. So The more of that, the better. I just love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So hopefully I'll get to go somewhere on Wednesday. Cross my fingers um, that it all works out so I can go. But yeah, really excited for that. Anyway, let's move on, I think, now to our interview this week, which comes from multi-team Norway representative, two silver medals from the World Championships to his name over a career spanning 15 years and counting. It is Oestone Carl Esteber, uh, so let's
1: take it away. What are you up to? Where are you now? How's life been in lockdown and, and what are you getting up to?
2: I'm actually in Italy at the moment. It's my first travel abroad since beginning of March. So I came here a few days ago and will stay Three weeks in total, if, uh, if the flight back is not cancelled again. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. And where, whereabouts in Italy? Uh, I'm in Primero, just north of uh, Venice, in the Dolomites. So I stay with the Scalette brothers, Riccardo and Tommaso. And next week I will join some training camp and races, Pivot Italy will organise. And then I will stay one more week in uh, Primero.
1: Oh, wow. Very nice. I'm incredibly jealous of that. (laughs) I think and probably most people listening will be as well, actually being able to go abroad and do an orienteering trip in the summer. Um, What inspired that? Was that just escape from lockdown and maybe a bit of prep for next year's World Cup?
2: Yeah, so like every race was cancelled during this spring in Norway also, even if it's been a few local races but mm. I think it was in May or June, this this event should have been at the end of June, and then I saw some advertisement that it should be in beginning of August, and it's not much happening home in August, so I, at that point I hoped maybe that you could tra- travel. From the middle of June you were allowed to travel from Norway to most European countries, and also coming back without staying in quarantine. If they don't yeah. change it again, <laughs> if it's a situation, gets <laughs> <not> worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I thought about it the first time. I thought I can't stay in quarantine. In, in Norway, it hasn't been so bad. It, it's been quite similar to other countries, but I haven't... The lockdown hasn't been so strict. I've been able to train more or less how I wanted. The gyms was closed. The track was closed for a while. and The indoor track was closed and uh, mm. swimming pools, but... I, I I'm normally as volunteer training mostly outdoor, so um, it's been actually quite good for training and I've been doing a lot, lot of training in the spring. It, we had snow very long in Trondheim where I live, so and since it wasn't any races I used the opportunity to do a lot of long, easy skiing. And I could drive, in the beginning you should just stay in your district, but you could drive uh, around where you lived. Uh, so I, I was going quite many new places. So I explored a bit more of Norway that I haven't seen before. The last yeah last months. And you've just done a, a trip
1: up to north of Norway with Nick Simnen and Ralph Street as well, I think.
2: It was actually the first time I've been driving around in the north of Norway. I've just been there three times before, two times flying for the Norwegian champs, just doing the races and flying back. So I haven't mm. really seen anything except yeah. Uh, a very few places where I was doing orienteering so it I thought about it for some years that it would be nice to explore a bit more of the north of Norway but in the summer it's always orienteering races and it's maybe not so many <clears throat> months of the year it's uh, really nice weather there so uh, this year yeah. I took the opportunity <laughs> and it was really nice we were very lucky with the weather also but we had uh, <sighs> not much rain and nice weather
1: yeah no, it looked fantastic so it's, it sounds like other than the, I guess, kind of social distancing and smaller training groups and lack of racing, that lockdown hasn't hasn't disrupted too much for you?
2: No, it hasn't. I was a bit lucky. Or I, I like to travel, like many people who know me know. So um, I was actually in South Africa in January for three weeks and also in Spain for two weeks from end of February to beginning of March. So I came home three days before the lockdown started. So then I had to stay in quarantine for like 10 days. So then I was training alone, but you could train five people together after some weeks. And then I think it was 20 people. And there's been a few local races also, where it could be 50 people in the beginning and now it's 200 people. And maybe, hopefully it could be 500 people in the autumn. I think I've done five orienteering races this this spring and one road race and one track race.
1: Yeah, so I saw you jumped on the track and a sky race as well.
2: Yeah, I did a North of Norway sky race, so yeah, that race was more or less organized as normal. In the beginning, they said that they will organize, but you needed to start with a mask and start 10 and 10, but I think they were allowed to start 200 people together. In orienteering, I think it could have been organized more according to this uh, like the rules they have in Norway, but it's not managed to bother to organize a race for so few people. Mm. And also, like, the races you have been, you should just come, park your car, go direct to start, run the course, go back, and... So you miss, like, the social part of the race, so... <laughs> in one way, you could rather just do a training on your own, if it's... <laughs> for me, I, yeah. I want to race against the best runners or... Uh, <laughs> Uh, on a training, yeah. you can maybe more socialise than on a, on a race because it's, yeah, <laughs> it's a small group.
1: Yeah, and what's it moving forward to being in the um, in the coming months? Then, do you think you're going to have a, an autumn season at all, or and, and steadily build through to those bigger races?
2: Uh, I think it will be a quite short and intense autumn season in Norway. It's actually being ultra long distance champs in two weeks, but then I'm still in Italy. But in September it will be um, Norwegian Champs long, middle and hopefully also relay in the beginning. And then the sprint in the end with sprint, knockout sprint and sprint relay. And also the um, Norwegian Champs in athletics running is in m- middle of September. So I think uh, in September I will have three, three weeks with Norwegian Champs, out of four weeks. But, yeah, you never know what's happened in one month. But at the, if the situation is ace as no, I think they will be able to organise the races I am um, now yeah, described.
1: Oh, fantastic. And will, and will any of those have an impact on next season for any kind of Norwegian teams or selection? Or is it this year's a kind of a blank slate and you refocus on next year when it
2: comes around? I don't know, really. I thought about it some days ago, but I... I'm not in this national team training groups anymore. I'm too old to the development team, and to be in the elite group, you need to be top ten individual at the world champs the previous years. So maybe the teams okay. can just be the same, or maybe the Norwegian champs can could count. And also, are yeah, like Euro meeting in Czech in mm. end of October, beginning of November, and could yeah, hopefully. It's difficult to say. But uh, I hope I'm able to go there for both Euro meeting and a training camp.
1: Mm. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. That looks really fun.
2: But now it's also sprint at the World Champs in Czech. So, yeah, I'm not sure if that changed the selection policy or. Yeah, at the moment it seems like it was very few sprint races next year. But now it's looking quite good with both the European champs in Switzerland and sprint at the World Champs in Czech. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you sound like someone who likes to race quite a lot and do orienteering quite a lot so has that been really weird not having that as part of your training this spring
2: yeah i was a bit maybe surprised because i, I normally compete quite much but mm. I, I haven't missed it so much as i maybe thought but uh, i had some injury problems when i came home from spain in beginning of march i had some injury problems so in one way the races cancelled and march was okay for me <laughs> and then I, I came into this training mode, and <laughs> I'm not really coming. <laughs> like I said, I have enjoyed the training quite a much. So, <laughs> also, so <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, but I think also I'm a person who, if, if the situation changes, I'm adapted in a new, new situation quite quickly. So, <sighs> quite flexible. So. Yeah. If it's coming up some races, I think for the Norwegian Champs in September, I should be back in r- race mode and <laughs> hopefully I missed it so much that I will be yeah, focused. And... <laughs> so I used more or less this spring and the summer to just keep on yeah, base training or do the training I like. I've been training quite well with like intervals reg- regularly and stuff, but I've been maybe a bit more flexible. and. Since it's not any races, you You can uh, maybe train a bit more. You don't need to think about to be in shape the next weekend. So if you're a bit tired, partly or uh, do some really long runs, like I did in the north of Norway, it's it's not any problem.
1: Yeah, just train on through. Um, and thinking of uh, thinking of Czech and walk. You've been to every walk from twenty uh, from two thousand four to twenty eighteen. You know, Fifteen in a row with racing 14 sprints and you know being on the circuit for quite a long time how do you is it is it that kind of just enjoyment of racing and that passion that's I mean allowed you to to be so good over that length of time
2: yeah I it's a tricky question I guess it's not so many on my age that still do a little entering so (laughs) but I enjoy it but I, I could maybe have been like a bit more extreme in my focus and pre and being better but I think then I wouldn't enjoy enjoyed it so much so then I think I wouldn't find it so fun so that's maybe the reason I still keep on that I have found the balance that I'm happy with so and the first world champs I did well I like I was six at my first world Champion and then four the following year and at that time I felt pretty sure that I, I would get the medal soon and probably win the sprint also within some years but it's ah, the competition is getting tougher and tougher i think i think my level has been quite stable actually the, the whole period is bit a bit up and down of course but also sprint has changed a bit in how technically it is if you look back 10-15 years on how it was it was definitely easier
0: so are you saying that Maybe, if you wanted to really go all out for winning a medal individually, then maybe you would have had to sacrifice too much and you wouldn't have enjoyed it as much
2: yeah maybe i I always thought that I have done like my best to do as good as possible each year, but i I tried some years to like compete less, and when I was y- younger, I was running like more distances in the World Cup. Maybe I run uh, all distances in the World Champs, but mm-hmm. l- long only ones and middle ones, and I was quite good in long distance, but the last years I've been focusing more only on sprint. But I haven't really got the results I wanted. It hasn't been any better results, and I missed maybe a bit the forest running. It's a bit difficult to know. Like <laughs> you need to enjoy the training, like I said. So if, mm. if you, think, if things the training you need to do is boring, it's you can do it. Of course, I, not all training I do is fun. I <laughs> I do what I think is best for me. But uh, I think I had a nice balance. And if I think back on all the world champs, I have like good memories from most of them. Even if the results was yeah a bit mm. variable.
0: Do you have a a favorite World Championships? Looking back on them,
2: not really. Or in in Scotland, I got two medals, both in the sprint relay and in the forest relay. We won silver, so that was that was nice. But it's not necessarily the one I did best that I have good best memories from. I, mm. I, I found one of the from the World champs, like in Japan. It was exciting to go there and. Yeah, but- Like also the World Games, I've been running in both uh, Taiwan and Colombia, and I hope to run in the US when it's organized there. Uh, So it's uh, getting one year later now (laughs) with a delay. But I I, am, and also of course, I was running the World Champs in Trondheim uh, on home ground where I was born, and I I was fought in that World Champs also. I was like one second from the bronze and three seconds from the gold. So I think it's the tightest World Champs has ever been.
0: Goodness me, that must have been pretty amazing.
2: I had a bit mixed feelings afterwards, but Mm. I remember on the podium, people said that I'd never seen a so unhappy person standing at the fourth place.
0: (laughs) Did you feel like there was a lot of attention and a lot of pressure on you in that one?
2: Yeah, I thought about that World Champs for years and I... I hope to run more than the sprint. Also, I was reserved for the relay. So also watching the relay and the, when they won the medal was a bit mixed feelings because I hoped to be in the team. But afterwards, when I think about, when I got some distance, I was very happy. I did a very good race. I, I did like I lost five seconds on the route choice, and uh, that was the gold medal. But. Uh. Brutal. other people also lose and I did a good performance and uh, had prepared well and was in good shape and it was really nice to run uh, on your home ground
0: yeah Absolutely. I bet the support must have been amazing just around on, the, on that sprint race
2: yeah, yeah it was a lot of people it was the, the start was on the main square in Trondheim so uh, one year ago I was working very close 100 meter from where the finish was so I was running both to and home, home from work most days so I was very often running through this we really did the sprint so I uh, uh, <laughs> thinking about what mistakes I did but oh, also, uh, <laughs> being
0: reminded of it every day oh my god but gosh.
2: when I think about it afterwards I could have prepared better uh, at that time you didn't maybe prepare so much with this making a map and things mm. we had the old map and we made courses but like I think the Danish team started maybe to make a new standard some years later on how we could prepare so but I was good I was I was well prepared. And the place I did this root choice mistake I was I, I knew about that root choice and I I knew that the thing I did wasn't the best if the root choice was in one way, but the controls was a bit different, so then I thought that okay but then the opposite root choice is best. It was like a bridge you can run over or under the bridge. So in mm-hmm. one way if I hadn't known about this bridge at all I would maybe have picked the other route choice that was the best so I think sometimes it's a bit dangerous to prepare too much because you know you never know how the map will be like I think that was the first world used. they used a the, the fence so to the first control it was a street blocked by a fence so I just started running straight and then I realised it in time to uh, go uh, and, uh, another street but um, and they can open up private things so it's the mm. map you get at the competition that counts so uh, it's um, it could be a bit dangerous if you are prepared too well because then you maybe think you know what's the best without really looking at the map what's the best on the race map mm. you got on the competition
1: absolutely mm. so how much how much preparation would you say you put in for that before a big race so say WOC was this week coming you know how would you prepare for that compared to how you prepared for 2010
2: it's I used more time previous years, but it's been a bit different. If it depends a bit, like if it's a good map, like in, in Riga, in Latvia, two years ago we had, it was a good map. So then I didn't bother to like make my own map. Mm.
0: Uh,
2: but I think it's a bit difficult, like to make your own map. you like, I, I watched in Google Street View, but it's maybe a thing I could find I could be better at but I don't find it so enjoyable. Mm. So I do it for the World Champs, but I don't do so much work compared to many others, I realized. When I'm going to China running Parkville Tour, you're going to a city, a random city, you don't know anything about the course. <laughs> and I could do a really good race. And then you have like races you have been yeah, preparing for and you do stupid mistakes. So it helps to prepare, but sometimes it feels like it's... Uh, it's not necessarily it helps (laughs)
1: yeah would you maybe like see it they've got you know five towns that they've embargoed and they just pick it on the week of and go right we were going to take them here
2: yeah I could have liked that like I thought about that idea that you don't don't know where it will be and uh, maybe but maybe someone will find out in Mm, some way anyway so it's
0: they'll look online and find out which
1: streets are closed
2: (laughs) yeah from local councils and things mm-hmm. like that. The home nation can have advantage even if they shouldn't have it because you, for some reason, get some information that's not uh, anyone, uh, uh, other people don't get or it's difficult to get.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And probably some countries more than others as well where different social structures of, of who gives out information who's involved in the planning and if it's club level or if they get an event organizer in and, and things like that. Um, and how how did you kind of end up specialising in sprints in 2004? Because yeah? that was relatively early on still in, in the life of sprint orienteering. Is that something you, you kind of fell into at a young age? Or had you planned to go for that um, at that first World Champs?
2: Like when I was young and junior, I did everything. And the first Norwegian sprint champs was when I was 19. So I won it when I was both 19 and 20. And also when I was 21, first year senior, I was selected to, um, I think I came second, now for 14 in the Norwegian Champs that year. So I was selected to World Cup in Norway, actually, and came sixth in that, in my first World Cup race and sprint. So, and also that that year I won the World Cup, I won the sprint in the World Cup final. But I, I came from actually third overall in the World Cup that year, <laughs> a bit su- quite surprisingly. <laughs> I was quite lucky with like all the races in the final was counting and yeah. Thierry and Emil Wings that got sick. And from being below 10, I was suddenly top three in the end. So. Uh, but even when I think like sprints started in a way in Trondheim, they had the first sprint cup in 93 when I was 12 years old. But it was more forest sprints. But even for, uh, even from when I was 12 year I always did a sprint cup. It was a series of like five races in the spring. Mm-hmm was maybe, like, the first generation growing up with sprint. even if, like I said, the Norwegian Champs, it wasn't before I was 19, and I never had sprint in J-Walk.
1: Because mm, that was added in 2006 kind of time, wasn't it, I think, for J-Walk? It was a bit later.
2: Yeah, I think it was in six, yeah. yeah. It, in five, it was um, held in Switzerland, and it was, like, not the official race.
1: So
0: from there, you just, you know, you are doing quite well. You just keep going with it, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think it's the... F- race i enjoyed most and maybe i enjoyed it more and more and it's maybe the thing you do best in but but in forest it depends a bit on the forest if it's like what i would say bad runability i don't enjoy it so much (laughs) but if it's (laughs) nice runability and technically but for me it suits better if it's a bit like harder in the ground not too stony and not too like soft so I like more running maybe in the forest in more some continental terrain than in uh, Norway uh, or Mm -hmm. Sweden. I I like that. I I lived in Stockholm for uh, more than five years also, so uh, there Mm -hmm. you have a bit like faster, flatter terrain compared to Norway. Mm -hmm. So it sounds
1: like next year's World Champs would be perfect. Nice continental Mm -hmm.
2: pine forests, clear of undergrowth. It would be nice when I was first year senior. Um, I was running this Prague Easter in um, a Prague Easter, so it was in Easter, <laughs> and I won it overall. Very surprisingly, because as a junior I was good, but I was not like the best in Norway. Uh, I had two clubmates that was better than me, uh, but we were like the three best in Norway uh, at that time. So mm. uh, I was a bit surprised when I was get first year senior. I thought, oh, okay, now I run against these really good guys, and it will be so difficult. So. The only thing I can do is to try to um, or navigate or enter without doing mistakes, and yeah, see, then I will see how well I'm doing. And I was in Spain in February and won some races where the Danish team, national team, was with like Christian Jørgensen and, and I ran this Prague Easter. It was not so many good, but it was some of you know, the best Czech runners was there and some mm-hmm. Slovakians. So I, I was very surprised that that spring I was like first year senior that like uh, uh, how how easy (laughs) it was (laughs) (laughs) but I think I've been trading well and yeah maybe I find like the balance that I was orienteering I I didn't feel I have any pressure at all so the only thing I could do was to try to uh, navigate well and see how good the result was
0: Oh, if only it were that easy all the
2: time. <laughs> so I guess maybe I get quite much confidence. Like I also in the forest I did uh, like this races both in Spain and Portugal was now uh, in Czech was in the forest. So, uh, but I was maybe a bit lucky. Also, I think it was in Norway. It was maybe a bit like generation shift. The first years I was seeing that some people like was quitting their career. So I think. These days it's tougher to qualify, like for the World Cup team in the forest, or in general in every distance. Also with sprint, uh, of course. I I was like the best Norwegian for a long time in sprint, and I think when I moved to Sweden, Sweden had several good runners like Kerkelisell, Jonas Leandersson, and uh, more. So I felt at that time if I'd been if it had been stronger competition in the Norwegian team in sprint it could maybe help me to uh, like get a medal at the world champs but maybe sometimes i it was a bit too easy to qualify for the world champs and then i came to the world champs and wasn't good enough to do it really top results i did well like for yeah like i have a lot of this sixth and fourth and eighth places but uh, i never managed to get a medal individual medal at the world champs
0: there seems to be there's a lot of norwegians coming through now that and seeming to specialize quite a lot either in sprint or in forest. Do you think there's a promising future for Norwegian sprinting?
2: Yeah, I think so. It's quite many who are yeah, talented and doing well and are really motivated. Like last year, autumn, it was out in Switzerland and China with main focusing on sprint. So I qualified for that team, but I was I was a bit sick before the selection races and I felt some pressure, but I managed to qualify. But uh, also for like next year, or if it had been World Champs in Denmark this year, I thought it would have been not easy to be in the team, or it will not be easy next year. I, I, need, I need to be better to be in the team. but like It hasn't been any races this year, but I, I need to improve to, <laughs> to be confident to be in the team. So that's, <laughs> the, yeah, that's my goal.
1: But that's exciting as well, I think. You're getting, you know, constantly looking to improve all the way through your career and, and not letting off.
2: Uh, I've been a bit like when the corona came in the spring I was a bit unsure because I hadn't really fought any longer and the world champs in Denmark but at the moment I'm quite motivated for a uh, oh, whole next season both uh, European champs world champs and even the world cup in the autumn in both Idra and in Italy mm. one of the trainings I did on Sunday the first training I did when I arrived here was on the neighbour map for that world <laughs> cup I didn't really know <laughs> I was training with Ricardo Scolette, so he yeah, he told me he was still doing best <laughs> training. So I I hadn't thought so much about that World Cup. It should have been this autumn, but yeah, mm. it was delayed to next year. So um, it was a challenging and nice terrain.
0: Were you then really relieved when the Swiss World Cup was made into European Championships and the sprint races were added to the Czech World Cup?
2: Yeah, this in Switzerland in one way, if it was World Cup... Or, or European champs didn't matter too much mm. to me, to be honest. But mm-hmm. no, it got it was it's, it's one more sprint race instead of the long distance, so it's it's nice. But uh, at the world, at the European champs, you can have six runners. At the World Cup, you could have had eight. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I would be, I hope to be good enough to qualify anyway. Like European champs is not so important as the World champs. So I was ma- more happy when they decided to have some sprint at the World champs also. Mm-hmm. Because, like sense. some several others have said, that if not, it would have been like four years without the international sprint championship, and it it feels like it's already long enough since the um, yeah. since the one in uh, Latvia.
0: Yeah, it really does. It really Absolutely. does.
2: Absolutely.
0: I want to ask: um, you've raced a lot of places all around the world. Is there anywhere you haven't been to yet that you'd really love to go? Uh,
2: I've been in the US uh, for a holiday and we did like one orientarian training, but uh, this year it was supposed to be this California O week and also Mm. Canada, but... um, rescheduled to next year I think the California one well, I thought about it this year but then I thought oh it's not fitting and then I <laughs> saw some weeks ago that it should be next year so mm. I thought okay maybe I should go for it next year so uh, oh, this, oh, this oh, North oh, American champs oh, I could I uh, like to run I've been running in pre-arrienteering in I think all, all continents in the world so I've uh, been in Australia and Asia and South Africa and uh, did the World Games in Colombia so
1: what was that like in Colombia?
2: it was like we did the middle distance in the forest uh, but it was more like a forest sprint long forest sprint it was quite green vegetation with uh, paths and some semi open areas it was
1: quite humid i imagine
2: i stayed one week after the world champs also but if you don't speak spanish it's a bit difficult to <laughs> communicate <laughs> no one was talking english english there and i didn't really know where to go so we uh, we went to the beach and tried to do some surfing and we could have planned it a bit better maybe it was a nice experience. <laughs> I like to go to uh, like new places and experience new types of culture.
0: Yeah, you certainly, really, really certainly done that. Um, what were you? What are the, you know, biggest lessons you've learned over those fifteen world world championships? What if you look? If you maybe compare how you were in two thousand and four to how you are now, two thousand and eighteen, the last world championships, what has changed?
2: It's not like it's not always the results uh, is what you think you deserve from the preparations you've done <laughs> in a way. Yeah, yeah. it feels like some some years I put a lot of effort to preparations and going on specific training camps. Like when it was World Champs in Italy, I think I counted that I was six times in Italy in one year before and during the World Champs, and yeah. I did okay but uh, and the year after when it was in Scotland I think I was on I was actually on two training camps one in the autumn and one in one in the spring uh, but then I didn't really f- think I didn't really focusing on the relay at all and then I ended up running the relay and got the medal so and also <laughs> in the sprint relay uh, so uh, in, in the relay it's a bit special it's not it's not your performance it's a team performance so I maybe don't several really good relay legs when we haven't got the medal and the relay legs when we got the medal was both it was okay or average so <laughs> like i said like 10 15 years ago i thought that i would get the individual medal sooner or later mm. but uh,
0: <laughs> so if preparation isn't maybe isn't maybe the most important thing to getting a result what do you think is the most important thing is it mentally being in the right place is it uh, having a good course that suits you or discipline what, what do you think is the best um, you know indicator I don't know it's point. so
2: many in orienteering it's difficult it's so many things that must be uh, uh, correct for uh, <laughs> at the same time so uh, even if like four out of five things are doing perfect one thing can just ruin it or uh, like just being unfocused for a few seconds during a course could uh, ruin the whole race so it's maybe to be like patient. Of course it helps to prepare well, I didn't say that, but um, uh, maybe if you put a bit too much pressure on yourself in orienteering, you feel a bit like stressed. And I've maybe felt that a few years, some of the years, like after being four and six and eight and these things, I thought, okay, now I should get a medal. And some years I maybe didn't felt I was good enough to get the medal so I needed to perform overperform, or perform better mm-hmm. than I was prepared for so and yeah you need to have the, like the self confidence but not maybe to be too self confident because then you are failing again so it's uh, maybe well, I, I should have a better answer but it's, answer it's, or... it's it's complicated but uh, you need like to find the balance and uh, the, make the puzzle right and uh, do the <laughs> things you, you need to be prepared the right way
0: yeah i was gonna say balance is a word you've used quite a lot today um and i think that really is the key but it means lots of things for different people whether you know enjoyment of the sport how much training how much preparation how much confidence you have so that makes a lot of sense and you said so you said um you weren't initially thinking beyond denmark uh, world championships now you're starting to think into uh, next summer um, how long are you going to keep going and uh, when when is going to be the time that you uh, gracefully bow out and not aim for any more elite selections
2: I like I said the World Games should have been next year in the US so that was I had that in my thought and then it was delayed late 2022 and I still have that in my thought and also the World Games in Denmark that should have been this year will be in 2022 so mm-hmm. still I have These two races in 2022 that I really could like to run. So, uh, in one way, from thinking until July this year, I now think uh, thinking until July in 2022, (laughs) even if I have uh, most focusing on next year or uh, maybe in first (laughs) hand autumn season. So, uh, I think I'm uh, like I said, this spring I've quite enjoyed to just train, but I'm a person who likes to have maybe some short term goals and Mm. but also have some long-term goals so i was maybe not prepared for uh, doing really well at the world champs this summer like i said i had some injury issues in march so in one way it's maybe good for me that uh, it's (laughs) it's not uh, it's until next year i have i have better time to prepare and improve i asked myself some uh, the last years like do I have the motivation? Is it any point to continue focusing on these elite international races or should I just run the races? I, uh, enjoy or, uh, I enjoy running against the best runners and try to prepare as good as possible still. So uh, as long as I'm healthy and able to train well, I am I think I'm motivated a bit longer time, but uh, I'm getting older so <laughs> I can't continue mm-hmm. with that forever. But I don't think I'm a guy who will like stop orienteering or racing. I will probably continue, but I could also like to have focusing a bit other type of races. Maybe do like some sky races, or I could I like to run some more like athletic races. I will maybe try to set some some good times before I'm getting too old. <laughs> on, <laughs> uh, on some distances, there, there I miss a, miss a good time. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, well, best of luck with all of that going forward, aiming for 2022 short-term goals and long-term goals. Thank you very much for, for speaking to us, Oystein.
2: Yeah, thanks for letting me join. So, great
1: interview with Oystein there. Really nice to get an insight into just, you know, the longevity of his career and how it's kept going mm. so long, you know, 15 walks in a row not to be sniffed at and uh, very impressive that it's kept going that long and um some interesting things from that wasn't there Catherine?
0: yeah yeah i'm surprised like the reflection on a career that long and sometimes maybe some regrets that he didn't push himself further but also at the same time being quite content that he managed to enjoy himself and that has allowed his career to be so long and Mm. and maybe being quite glad that he didn't you know Push too hard and, and stop enjoying the sport. So, as you know, you kept bringing up the word balance. I think that's really, really important thing to take out of that out of that interview.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's pretty much it for this week. But we do have a couple of messages before we finish. So, firstly, thank you once again to our sponsors Envy and Straight. I'm very excited today that received a knock at the door during a call. <laughs> I was on for <laughs> lunch, um, and received a very big box through the through the post, all labelled with Envy and full of stash and shoes. So very excited to start testing them out, and uh, a certain bright orange pair of mm-hmm. Crazy Light Cross Countries or Crazy Light XC's caught my eye, which I think, Catherine, you've been testing a bit.
0: I have. They really are crazy light they feel kind of like slippers in a good way because they just are so so light on your feet but you know they have such a great um grip on them that they've made a really really good uh shoe for me kind of running around the estate where i live and i think it will be a really really good sprinter and tearing shoe i'm well happy that i knocked a whole minute off my 5k pb wearing them last week so um yeah
1: nice. R-
0: highly recommended yeah
1: no a minute off the 5k very impressive yeah? thank you there you go I'm
0: still not very quick but I'm, <laughs> I, I'm improving I'm improving this lockdown training has been going well
1: we'll see what we'll see what happens next season you know with the shoes and the fitness now watch out
0: yeah watch out I'm gonna, you're going to have to interview me next season <laughs> on the podcast about all my great achievement no I'm very happy uh, just slowly getting slightly quicker <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh well consistency is the key isn't it um mm-hmm. if you're interested in ordering any envy shoes for the uk the contact is mary fleming at uh sales at gmail.com so that's envy straight n-v-i-i-s-t-r-8 dot at gmail.com and we're going to finish with a little bit of a tease for mm-hmm. next week's podcast um i said next week's uh next two times. weeks time yeah, um, where we've got a very special interview with um, up-and-coming star of the sports, junior world champion, um, and uh, Swiss, soon to be great as well. Yes. But we'll uh, we'll leave it at that. Tease everyone. That for next should, time. That's
0: a lot of clues, you, a lot of you should be able to figure it out. It's a lot of that, clues.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that can be that can be the conundrum for this week. Yeah. For, <laughs> figure yep. it out <laughs> who, who um, next week? Yep. But, but we'll leave you with that and um, speak to you all next time